Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. At the age of 61, you might think that Margaret would be looking forward to retirement. Yet for her, and millions of other women, being able to retire with a pension is an impossible and unaffordable dream. It would have been an absolute lifeline to me. And I know there's a lot of um, legal wrangling been going on and court case and, and so on saying, oh, well, we gave you sufficient notice from the government and people are saying, no, we didn't know. And I was one of those who didn't know. Because of a change in the law, Margaret won't get her state pension until the age of 66 and has relied on working as a supply teacher to pay the bills. But here's the irony. Employers don't want to hire older workers. The older you get, the more expensive you are in teaching. And, you know, it's schools are very much budget-driven. We're the forgotten bunch, you know, we've got nothing. Um, we can't get the jobs. Um, schools don't want you because, um, you know, you're introducing additional bubbles into their mix and we can't get the work and yet we can't get the furlough. So there's people who are left with nothing. After hundreds of unsuccessful job applications, Margaret came up with another idea. I am doing a degree which I started in September um, at the age of 61 and the degree is in English and Creative Writing and the dream always was from being a teenager to write a book one day. And I'm hoping that this degree will give me the skills and the impetus and the confidence to be able to set that dream in motion. After all the financial challenges she's been through, can Margaret reinvent herself as a writer? Welcome to Money Clinic, the weekly podcast from the Financial Times dedicated to tackling real-life financial issues. I'm Claire Barrett, the FT's Consumer Editor. Today, we're looking at the obstacles millions of women in Britain face as they get closer to retirement age, like Margaret, who lives in Nottingham. I started this degree because um, although I am an experienced primary teacher with nearly 40 years worth of experience, Mm. a lot of that has been agency teaching, roughly about half. And so as I got older, I found it much harder to access the work And when I've not been doing agency teaching, I've had to resort to to benefits, you know, Um, and as a single parent, you know, you have to do it. Having worked and paid taxes all her life, Margaret found the experience of claiming benefits as she searched for a job to be a brutal one. It's dire, you know, and then to have to haul yourself in front of somebody 
less than half your age uh, to be dressed down and told, <laughs> why aren't you trying hard enough? <laughs> why aren't you trying harder? And risking sanctions if you're a minute or two late because you're held up in traffic and all that sort of mentality. They expect you to put in a minimum of 30 hours a week job searching. So all my focus would be on that and applying for jobs and the you know and it's it's very very time consuming so when i've been on it before i've sat with a laptop on my my lap and sometimes not got dressed you know nearly all week because you sit there fixed to the sofa searching 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 it's a very uh, soul destroying way to be do you think that being 61 has a lot to do with not getting those jobs it's got everything to do with it it's got absolutely everything to do with it the older you get the harder it is. Her experience of the benefit system and being rejected for job after job spurred Margaret to go back to university in her 60s. Really, my options were very, very narrow to the point of, well, two options, really. One was I go back to the benefits, which is, quite frankly, soul-destroying. Um, the other option would be was going down this road, and I thought, well, at least I've got my dignity doing this retraining. I'm older. Um, I'm not going to walk into another career, but I might be able to do some freelance writing. And at least it takes me out of universal credit uh, for three years. But she is also concerned about how much money she'll have to live on in retirement. Years of zero-hour contracts that have eradicated any possibility of savings, and being on enough benefits as, you know, every time I've, got, I've had a job, it's been a case of catch up for the past 20 years. So I've never managed to really keep the savings. I've had to live on them in between bouts when I've not been working. I've also got two adult children still living with me. So I am running a home. I am, I am paying bills um, and all the overheads on that. My daughter's got a, an admin job, so I'm having to pay the council tax. And she's helping me out. At the moment, she's giving me a chunk of her wage. If she didn't, quite frankly, I couldn't survive. With very little savings, Margaret had been relying on getting the state pension at the age of 60. In the UK, this is worth around £9,000 per year, just enough for mortgage-free Margaret to live on. And when I went out to Egypt to take a job because I couldn't get one here at the age of 58, I went out and took a job in Cairo. I thought, oh, I'll, I can do this for two years and then and then I'll be able to retire at 60 and get that little bit of a pension. And I know it's going to be hand to mouth, but I'll survive. What she didn't know was that the law had changed, raising the state pension age for women and making it equal with men. How did you find out that you weren't going to get it? Uh, when I was out in Egypt having a conversation with somebody over there, another teacher, and they said, oh, no, it's not 60 now. And I said, what do you mean it's not 60 now? Oh, no, they've moved it now. It's 66 or something. You know, and I, I was just absolutely flabbergasted. I said, no. The increase to the state pension age caught Margaret and millions of other women unawares. She asked for our help to make a financial plan going forward, making the most of what she's got. If I could have some sort of long-term plan for the future, for going forward, to know how to manage my finances, then that would be very useful. If I could have some help in accessing the few pension pots that are scattered around with different agencies, I've lost track of them. But if I could find where they are and maybe 
put them all together in one pot or something, then that would be very useful to me. She's also wondering how to get started as a writer. If I could have some help with airing my my skills once I've completed my degree, to be able to take my writing and make it a reality, that would be really um, magnificent. Margaret can take some comfort from the fact that there are plenty of other older workers in exactly the same boat as she is. And we have found experts to help, like Stuart Lewis, who runs Restless, a digital community for the over 50s with a strong focus on recruitment, retraining and bouncing back after redundancy. During the pandemic, membership numbers have more than trebled. Stuart, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. A real pleasure to be here, Claire. We've heard Margaret's story, but how common are these kinds of experiences among the over 50s and particularly among women? Sadly, this is all too common, actually. Um, so we, we know that more than 3 million over 50s were furloughed. Um, and at the last count, there were more than 630,000 over 50s on universal credit, an increase of 110% year on year, and many of them facing it for the first time. I think we're, we're also concerned that we're seeing many over 50s being forced into an early retirement that they, they didn't necessarily want or, or can't afford. From Stuart's experience, women tend to face greater financial problems at this age than men. I think some of the context to that as well are around the gender pay gap has over decades leads to a huge dramatic pension savings gap between men and women. So when you think around the private pension savings of a woman who's 60 versus a man who's 60, it's fundamentally different just from decades of the gender pay gap. Now, one of the issues that I sense from talking to Margaret that is a really big barrier to her is her confidence. I mean, her confidence has just been absolutely broken by all the things that have happened to her, the jobs that she's had to take on to try and get some money and to pay the bills, the experiences of claiming universal credit, being interrogated by people 30 years younger than her in the job centre. I mean, these are all factors that unfortunately could limit her chances of success in the future because she's just become so downtrodden by the whole search for for employment and, and work. And this is one of the hardest pieces around redundancy and job seeking as an older worker, actually. So we, we come across so many people who have got either either self-confidence challenges or self-limiting beliefs. Um, and it's hard, right? So you can't get away from the fact that ageism is rife. At Restless, we talk about ageism being the final frontier of, of diversity, actually. Something I'm particularly passionate about when you think about the demographic tsunami we're seeing um, on the future of the workforce. Stuart says that older job seekers within the Restless community frequently share their experiences of ageism. We've seen we've we've seen written evidence from companies just simply saying like things like you remind me of my mum. I don't want my mum working here, and and you just like oh. it's beyond it's beyond compare. Not only is it illegal, but it, it's just the blatant disregard. Like it's it's yeah. We've had people being asked when they're going on the next cruise. It, it's it's absolutely incredible, actually. I'm with Stuart 100% on this and urge any employers listening to the podcast to take note as workplaces around the country embrace diversity. Don't forget about older workers and the value that they could bring to your organisation. 
And to make sure they're not forgotten, Stuart has this advice for Margaret and other job seekers whose confidence has been dented. There's little steps, so self-care through the job search process is really important. So some people like to journal. So we talk about journaling quite a lot on the the site, um, daily gratitude journals, whether we talk about making sure people take time to remind themselves of their um, skills, their transferable skills. There's a link between employment and mental health as well, because actually, as you rightly pick up, there can be a cycle. So if you face ageism in the recruitment process, it can really dent your confidence. And if your confidence gets dented, you don't project the same confidence for your next interview. And then you get knocked back and you end up in this this reinforcing spiral. So trying to take time for self acts of self-care to look after your own health and mental health cannot work wonders actually for how you come across in interviews and your general I suppose, happiness and persona. That's really positive stuff, although there should be no illusions about the difficulties older workers face. One thing that can really help you is being on top of your finances, and our second expert has lots of practical ideas to achieve this. Lindsay Cook is the FT's money mentor columnist. First, we tackled how Margaret can track down any lost pensions. First of all, she should contact the agencies or the umbrella companies that she worked for contact them, give the dates when she started working for them and when she finished. If she sends that detail with her national insurance details, they should be able to come back to her and say what pension she has accrued through their schemes since about 2012. Lindsay also recommends the UK government's free pension tracing service on the gov.uk website. Please be careful though, We've put the correct link to follow in the show notes, as there are a lot of copycat websites from commercial firms touting for business. So it might be that she's got some pension from much earlier employment that she's forgotten about. It's always worth trying. I have had one person who found she had a non-contributory pension from her first year of employment that was worth more than any of her other pensions. So it's always worth trying. And while Margaret's on the gov.uk website, Lindsay says she should also use the free service to check how much she's actually due from her state pension. To do so, all you need is your national insurance number. It will tell you how many years of NI contributions you've got. You need 35 years to get the full state pension. She's still got time to make up. If she hasn't got the full 35 years, you can pay extra I think also her universal credit will count towards them. So she's probably there. The next thing that Margaret really needs some help working out is a financial strategy to take her through to retirement. She's got very little in terms of pensions, but she is mortgage free. And she'd appreciate any tips, Lindsay, that you've got to help manage her budget and boost her income. What are your thoughts? Well, my very first thought is the rent-a-room scheme. And this allows somebody to rent a room for up to £625 a month, Mm. which is £7,500 a year, tax-free. It's really useful. It's like having an extra pension. This could be very useful when Margaret's adult children fly the nest. But in the meantime, Lindsay wondered how much they were contributing to the household. She loves her children, but but they need not to be a a drag on her finances. She doesn't want to be subsidising adult children who are probably earning a lot more than she is. 
So work out what she's paying, gas, electricity, water, etc., and see if any of those can be reduced because she may have been on the same companies and not got the fixed rates, etc. She needs to work out a budget on food because I know from my own children, they eat a lot. Because Margaret's mortgage-free, she could consider an equity release scheme. These work by accessing some of the money that is stored in her home. But obviously, if she does take out a loan against her property, then the interest that she'll be charged on it will be rolling up. For this reason, Lindsay thinks she should put it off for as long as possible. She's 61, so she wouldn't get that much money. Um, it would stop her getting any universal credit. Mm. Uh, and in even though rates are pretty low at the moment, they're still around 4%, which is double a normal mortgage. And that means that your debt would double in um Less than 15 years. So if she borrowed 50,000 to subsidise her for now, she'd be owing 100,000 by the time she's 75. Finally, Lindsay, who is also in her 60s and still working as a writer, had some bright ideas about finding work, both now and in the future. Now, Lindsay, you're very sympathetic about the ageism that Margaret has faced during her job search, but you've also got some nifty ideas about part-time work. Well, I know quite a few people who are currently, while we're in lockdown, they're doing online tutoring for primary children. There are a lot of children who fell behind when schools were closed and their parents are concerned about they can't read or they can't do maths. When lockdown's over, um, it's quite possible that she could do um, going and visiting children in their homes. I mean, her track record, she would be top of the agency's list. Now, finally, Margaret knows that she'll need to start thinking about how she'll get work as a writer in the future when she's passed her degree. What would you advise? Well, first of all, she needs a bubble, a writing bubble. <laughs> in that, um, does the university have a writer's club? I bet it does. Are there other people on the course who are already published, either lecturers or others? The university will be proud of anybody who's been on the course and is published. Mm. She will be able to find out who they are. She needs to be on social media and talking about her desire to write. One way that people get known of as being a writer is watching out for local um, authors. And then when you've read their book, tweet about it, give it a review. Then you become part of their circle on the edges, but you still become part of their circle. The local paper may be able be willing to write about her, or she may be able to get something in her local paper if they've got a, a culture corner the bbc and many 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 other people have writing competitions for short stories and other things she needs to ju just find out what they all are get her stuff together get confident share with her, her other um, students what she's writing they will help her they will want to do the same because anybody who's on a creative writing course wants to write and she should it, it's will make her so happy um, and it may not earn a lot of money but it will help her brilliant well they were all fantastic tips from one writer there Lindsay to another both of my experts have come up with some first class tips for mature student Margaret and I'm eager to see if they pass the test I caught up with Margaret in between lectures to find out what she thought the advice about the uh, 
contacts, uh, the social media um, advertising, you know, getting my name out there on LinkedIn and, and that sort of thing, using the university contacts, that that's very, very useful. Lindsay also honed in on the issue of adult children living at home um, and the financial arrangements parents make with them. I don't know what you thought about that. Yeah, well, my daughter is helping me out. I mean, she's giving me a good portion of her wage, which is what's keeping us afloat at the moment. So I couldn't ask any more from her. So when they leave the home, eventually, then I could look at, um, you know, taking in some sort of lodger or something like that. It's not really an option at the moment. I don't have the space. Now, Lindsay obviously is a writer in her 60s. She's given you a lot of tips and advice there for how you can find opportunities to write, but also how you can feel more confident about calling yourself a writer and looking for work. How helpful were they? That was very helpful. Um, it, a lot of it is to do with confidence and it is a lot of it is to do with identity as well. I was thinking, you know, and hearing Stuart talk, that I thought he was spot on with everything he said about the, the hardships and, and I was very grateful to his contribution there, um, you know, just really letting people know the difficulties is is very valuable but um in terms of confidence and identity when you've been uh, doing a particular job or career for a number of years you sort of identify with that role and and i think that's part of the um certainly something that teachers come up against is you go into teaching it becomes a lifelong ambition and it's like who are you well i'm a teacher and it's sort of reinventing yourself a little and, and so, you know, I have to now look at this and say, well, who am I? I'm a writer. <laughs> and that's, that's sort of getting other people to take on board um, this new me, really. You know, this is what I do and take me seriously, I suppose. Um, and that might come with the first published piece of work, possibly. Well, on that point, Margaret, I have got a challenge for you myself if you would like to accept it now I don't know if you know this but I edit a section of the ft.com website called the next act which is our retirement hub and it's full of articles and columns aimed at readers in in later life and um, this is a genuine offer of paid work in the new year would you like a freelance commission from me to write a column about your experiences that would be absolutely amazing I would be so delighted (laughs) to take advantage of that opportunity definitely so the end of our journey for today but lots for you to do before we speak again. Lindsay's advice on how to track down the different bits and pieces of pensions that you've got um, using the pensions tracing service. That will keep you busy over the winter months and could well bring in a little bit more money in the future. Equity release, as discussed, too early for that, something to consider in the future, but maybe in the medium term, the rent a room scheme could be a good tax break for you at such a time when your children leave home. And then there's all of the tips about writing that Lindsay was able to, to give you, which I'm really, really glad have resonated because you are a writer and you've got to start saying to yourself, I am a writer. And I think that when you get your first piece published, that will give you back some of the confidence that you clearly really deserve to have thank you so much that's uh, th- that's those are the words that i need to hear um and maybe this could be um a sign of of hope and promise for the future so thank you so much that 
that's it from Money Clinic with me, Claire Barrett, this week. And we hope you like what you've heard. If you would like to chat with me on a future episode of the show and get some expert thoughts on a money issue that's bugging you, then email me. Our address is money at ft.com. Want to read more? Check out the show notes for links to articles I've written on these topics. Take a peek at our website, ft.com slash money. Grab a copy of the FT Weekend newspaper or follow us on Twitter at FT Money. Money Clinic was produced in London by Josh de la Mare and Persis Love. Our sound engineer is Breen Turner and our editor is Amy Keane. And the original music is by Metaphor Music. And finally, just so you know, the Money Clinic podcast is a general discussion around financial topics and does not constitute an investment recommendation or individual financial advice. For that, you'll need to find an independent financial advisor. That's the small print over and done with. See you back here next week. Goodbye. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.